Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone great. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh, on weei.com. Previewing the biggest game of the Patriots season, as you just told me off there, Andy Hart. Uh, what do you? Why is this game the biggest game of the year? Are you saying if they lose this game, the the playoffs are are completely over? Yes, I'm saying that 100. percent And they're on the road, short week, and a playoff opponent a good team um you know I, I always do my research and I always tell you I you know I look at you know offensive rating and points rating and third down and just the various offensive and defensive things and aside from Jared Goff this is a team that does pretty much everything well and Goff is then becomes sort of the centerpiece of whether they win or they lose did he turn the ball over those types of things but you look at it three in total offense two in total defense you know points scored is only 17 but points allowed is five point differential eight I mean they are virtually top five or ten in anything that matters other than quick one aside turnovers they are even on the year uh and very active uh 20 giveaways 20 takeaways to get to that even um which is a a big number um but no I think this is a a coaching challenge you're not going to have as massive a coaching advantage as you had over Anthony Lynn. Um, This is a big game in a lot of ways, matchup wise. And to me, if you want to say this is a big game for the Patriots, it's a massive game for one Cameron Newton, because I don't think you're going to get by 
with Cam Newton throwing for 60 yards in this game and rushing for one touchdown. If you win this game, Cam Newton's going to have to make a hell of a lot more plays than he has. The only way that would happen is if they got two special teams touchdowns again, but I don't see that coming either. So, yes, you're right. Cam Newton will probably have to throw for probably more than 100 yards, probably even more than that, 120, 150. Are you stealing my bold prediction that I have on, had on Dale and Keith today that if they play like they did in San Diego, get two special teams touchdowns, two turnovers, three sacks, 11 QB hits, that they can win the Super Bowl? No, I'm not stealing the take, but it's an accurate take. If they get that every game, they can beat anybody. And as Paul Perillo loved to say, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the, probably bring up that Rams thing with the offense. Like, that was the same thing with the Chargers. They were, what, like third? They are top five in um, yards, but 12th in points. Yes. And um, I don't know what to make of it. You know, I'd have to really do a deeper dive. I don't know how many, like, red zone turnovers Goff may have. Things I was going to say, it has to be turnovers. It has to be I, turnovers definitely have to be part of it um some of that like i'm really interested in this matchup of the super bowl and uh, belichick and mcveigh and the the idea that mcveigh was in awe the first time and maybe that was too big a spot against belichick whatever this that matchup now because mcveigh has proven himself i think a good coach um overall over an extended period here i think his Again, I just said, I think the ebbs, I don't think his quarterback is all that good. I'm not a Jared Goff guy. Um, I actually stopped being a Jared Goff guy. Uh, very simply, he will never regain my trust. That The sack in the Super Bowl where Kyle Van Oy like breezed by him and he like fell to his knees in defeat. I'm sorry. That is a, that's a loser. That's a guy that I can't. You're, you're done with that guy? I can't ever put my stock in that guy. Um, but you look at it, McVeigh. When you watch his games, the scheme and, you know, Belichick talked about, what did he call him? A progressive offense, I think mm -hmm. he called them. Um, you know, some of the splits and the tight formations. And you watch these games and the way they'll, they'll have, you know, Woods tight and Woods is running almost like a, a jet sweep, quick inside handoff or a counter play. And they, you know, anybody who watched that Cooper Cup game a couple weeks ago, Cooper Cup is good. Like, you know, I've stopped thinking Cooper Cup was a byproduct of their offense. Like, Cooper Cup's good. You know, he shakes people. He's got quickness. He catches the ball. But they do it in a lot of ways. Like, they have – what did I say they were in rushing? Uh, they're eighth, I think, in rushing. But they do it with – Eighth in rushing, six in passing. You know, they, they do it with no names, right? They don't have a great running back they, anymore. They don't have Gurley anymore. Right. Gurley's gone. I think they have three guys that are averaging over four yards a carry and have rushed the ball like 80, 90-plus times over the course of the year. So, it's – a little Patriots like in the past, a little committee backfield action. Um, they got that kid everybody thought was going to be good out of FSU. The uh, what the hell is his name? The young kid because they got Malcolm Brown, Henderson. Nope, the other guy, the third guy. Why can't I find his name? I don't know. Malcolm, what I rely on? Acres. Acres. Cam Acres. Um, he was a big, like, fantasy football loved him. They thought he was going to be sort of the lead dog in that backfield. He never really has done it with consistency. So they've mixed and matched there. But this is a good test for the Patriots. They, they don't give up sacks, or they haven't given up sacks. We'll see if the Patriots can get after them. Um, this is a test for that, I would say, not new age Patriots defense, but everything that was so – positive and you're excited about they can cover and all the dbs are doing their job and that strength is being a strength but now you're getting 
Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler and Chase Winovich and all the guys up front, and you're kind of putting it together. You, you know, it's marrying it up, as Bill likes to say. They're working in concert. Well, we'll see. You know, you did against a rookie quarterback, a bad offensive line. Uh, I don't know if you happen to watch some of the offensive line breakdowns from the Chargers perspective. They were horrendous. Yeah. Like some of the stuff where a guy's like, oh, you're lined up there. I'm just going to look this way and pretend I don't see you and let you run by. And like it it was, I don't think you'll get that against the Rams. So I I guess this is all a long-winded say of way of saying you're going to have to earn everything you get a lot more than you have of late. And we'll see. Like on paper, if you're going to look at the last three games against the Chargers, Cardinals, and Rams, like to me, just like without diving into it, I would say that the Rams are like the worst offense of the three. But when you actually look at it statistically and actually more in depth, it's not the case. Like, yeah, I mean, that offense is explosive. Like, everybody knows that. Like, they were hyped a lot going into that game. I know they didn't have Larry Fitzgerald, but they have Hopkins. Like, Mari was, you know, before the Patriots game, he was coming off one of his better games of the year and playing very well. And then Herbert, obviously, was Herbert and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckert coming back. Just the Rams don't have, like, those, like, playmakers, I guess. But just, like, from top to bottom, they're the best offense of the three statistically and probably overall. And I think some of that gets back to coaching. Some of it gets back sure. to offensive line play. Uh, but you're right. I, I still think if you made me pick a, a, an offense out of just pure talent, I'll take the Chargers. They have a tight end. They have a big play receiver, a possession receiver, a, a ke- pass-catching running back, a quarter. Like To me, they have the makings of a really, really good offense um, that you never saw, never came to fruition. And, and again, I give the Patriots defense credit for – not allowing the Chargers to get going and not allowing them to succeed. But, um, the, yeah, I think one of the keys will be the offensive line, that matchup up front that the Patriots so dominated. Yeah, if you hit Jared Goff 11 times, you're well on your way in this game. Well on your way. I, I get, I'm guessing you won't. I think he's only been sacked like 16 times or something. You're my stack guy. Times, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you hit – Justin Herbert, 11 times. He's only been sacked 16 times all year. You had three. Probably not going to be quite as effective there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a huge challenge for that defense. It's a huge – but then you get into uh, sort of the, the offense isn't playing the offense, but they are playing the offense. And if the Rams start to score some points, what does that do to the Patriots' offense having to run the ball? Because, you know, the Rams' defense, third run defense in football. So we've talked about this before. Does that mean Josh comes out and says, well, we're not going to be able to run the ball, so we got to do something else? Or yep. does he come out and say, I know they're good, but so are we. Stop us. See if you can. Right? I, yeah. He kind of fell into that trap against the Chargers. I think it was the second possession. Harris didn't even touch the ball once. They threw the ball three straight plays. Um, so I, I, I think they kind of learned from that a little bit. And just look, just look at the Cam Newton's passing numbers the last couple of weeks. They haven't allowed him to throw. I think that's sort of a sign to me that they are realizing that they are a run-first offense and they shouldn't put Cam Newton into, you know, passing the ball 30-plus times. And I would argue that they've won four of the last five. The one game they didn't, I think they might have won if they had run the damn ball in Houston. I went into that game thinking they were going to run the ball. So everybody, did Romeo everybody. Cornell, right? Yeah. Romeo Cornell talked about it. and then. They didn't, so you gave – not only did you not play good defense because the defense was an issue, Watson had a great day, but you let him be on the field more. You gave him more opportunities at times. So if you could have run the ball, just controlled that clock in a different way, I think you might have had a better chance. That's why – I'm not saying you're going to succeed by running the ball, 
but try. I think that's who you are. Don't freak out. Ooh, they're the number three run defense. Ooh, Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in football. We can't go anywhere near him. I think on some level you got to give it a shot and then adjust from there if if you can't get Damian Harris going. But even Damian Harris, what did it, whatever you know, his comments the other night about that's who we are. We're going to run downhill. We're going to get that going. That's what I would be looking for. But how many times have we said that and been wrong? And they, you know, the old Belichickian, we're not going to run our, our run our head into a brick wall if the, you know we're going to try to well, go around or well, over. I pulled these stats up yesterday in games one through seven. The Patriots averaged thirty-one point six rushes per game. In games eight through twelve, thirty-five point four. So they committed a little bit more the last couple of weeks. And then rushes and wins, thirty-eight point eight. Rushes and losses, 27.5. And obviously, you have to factor in when you're winning, you're going to run the ball more. When you're losing, you're not. But that's more than a 10-play difference. So I think there is something to it. They're, they're a better team than running the ball. And I'm sure you saw my statistic on Twitter. Jakob Johnson has played 40% snaps or more in four of the last five games. Those were four wins in the last five games. The only game you lost in that span, he didn't. And he topped that number only once in the first seven games of the year when they were not a very good football team. So I'm not saying that when you put the fullback on the field, it's a guarantee you're going to win, but it looks like you win more when the fullback's on the field. Got to get that love for the fullbacks. I appreciate it. Damn right. James Devlin's smiling somewhere. Damn right. And and by first of all, Jakob Johnson by no means is a James Devlin, no. but the presence of a fullback and that style, that mentality, I'm all for it. Uh, defensively, the Rams are, are pretty good. Like they're, yeah. they're they're very good. Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in the league. I just think back to the Monday Night game when they like really frustrated Tom Brady and and that offense, and they allowed them nothing. So I'm I want to see how they match up against Cam Newton. Do they crowd the box with eight guys and not let them throw? Do they throw some schemes, you know, blitzes? Like how how do you think they defend the Patriots? Do they want the Patriots to run? Do they feel like they can stop the run on their own? Do they want Cam Newton to throw? Like, how do you think they, they match up? I mean, I certainly, if I'm them, I'm trying to force the Patriots to pass on me. But I also am not overcommitting because I have some confidence that I'm a good run defense. Uh, that's that, who that's I what am. I'm trying I'm to say. They don't, they don't like other teams where they have to kind of overcompensate for maybe their deficiencies. They can play them straight up and still stop the run. And you have a playmaker. And, I mean, you've got to be a fearful of Jalen Ramsey, right? Like, that's a playmaker that who, well, an who errant – probably doesn't he probably just I mean if he's a guy like him with how cocky he is he probably looks at the Patriots receivers and laughs like he probably laughs he, he maybe he'll say it maybe he won't but I mean this is a guy he you remember he what did he show up in the Brinks truck when he was still in Jacksonville like this is a high-end high-confidence high-cocky type player who's also a playmaker I, I'd be scared for Cam Newton's errant throws going in the direction of Jalen Ramsey because they could go in the other direction and turn into points. Um, yeah, the more we talk about this, this is a uh, – it feels like an uphill battle, right? Yes, but I, I don't think I mentioned it with Goff. I, I think there's a factor, too, where he shows up to the stadium, walks on the field and sees Bill Belichick on the other sideline and the Patriots uniforms and kind of um, uh, poops his pants. Yeah, but he's going up against a quarterback that stinks. I know that, but he's not facing Cam Newton. He's facing the Patriots defense. And I also have uh, a little birdie sent me something that I wanted to share with you. Uh, where am I here? Okay. Cam Newton on Thursday night football. Oh, geez. He, uh, in his career, 
He is three and six overall straight up and two, six and one against the spread. Not good. His passing, he has completed 55% of his passes. Not great. With seven touchdowns and nine interceptions. Better than he's been this year. I was going to say that's actually better than his season as a whole, but in general has not been a good Thursday night performer, um, which take that for what it's worth. I mean, that's all in Carolina. That's a different, yeah. different yeah. time, different whatever. Um, but to think that is he ready? Are you like the, the story he was selling to Greg Hill this morning that basically – he does what he needs to do to win. Like he's a different breed and whatever. Well, I, I would start by saying he's only six and five. So it's not like he's, you know, 10 and two and it's putting out these numbers. So well, let's, let's pump yeah. the brakes there. That was um, a little bit my argument. We got into a, not an argument, but with uh, Keyshawn Johnson and he, he kept saying, you know, you're winning games. Like relax. They're 500. They're not a winning team. Like they are who they are. They've been winning games over the last month or so. Like if they, it's what we talked about the other night in the short span, they're basically like a 12, 13 win team, like the small sample, if you prorate out, but over the hall of the season, they are what they are. They're six and six. They're a 500 football team. And you know, this, this idea that cam makes plays to win. He also loses you games, flat out loses you games. Yes. Right. Uh, Yes. So if he made plays to win with the game on the line a little more often, you might be, I don't know, eight and four and in the playoff picture and not relying on a 14% chance to make the postseason, right? Yeah, so in Cam Newton passing this year, 18th in completion percentage, 23rd in yards, tied for 34th in touchdowns, tied for 20th in interceptions, 28th in quarterback rating. Yeah, but you're not including the, the Russian touchdowns. Well, for all those people, I, I did it out. He's 22nd in total touchdowns with 16. See, that's better. It's better, but he's still in the bottom third of the league. It's also not, you know, if you're playoff teams, technically there's 14 of them. So you're a long ways in that if you're 22nd in something. And even in the game on Sunday, like he, when you go back and watch, he missed throws and he admitted it today on the Greg Hill show. He missed, throw, he missed some opportunities and that could happen when you're winning, you know, 38 to nothing. But if you're playing the Rams and it's a one score game in the fourth quarter, and you, you miss a wide open uh, Jacoby Myers, that's going to hurt you. Oh, there's no doubt that this game, in my opinion, there will be play like gotta have it plays that Cam Newton's involved in. They might be runs. Like I'm not saying they're all with his arm. They might be make a guy miss, you know, get nine yards here on third and eight running, like whatever it may be, there's going to be gotta have it Cam Newton type plays in this game because I I don't know. I, I feel like Bill respects the Rams. I feel like Bill respects McVay. I feel like we should respect the Rams and McVay. They are a they're a playoff team. They are at home. There's a short week here. Now, I do think it's interesting. The Patriots are coming off their best game and didn't have to go anywhere, and maybe they'll just roll right into the Rams, and maybe that maybe that's actually a good thing. You want to get back out there and keep the momentum going, the things you're doing on special teams and, and all of that, but it's a challenge. This, I mean, is this – it's hard to say because, like, the Ravens you – know, this is a nah. It's not their toughest opponent. I mean, they played at Kansas City. They had yeah, no. Well, I mean, Kansas City hasn't been dominant. Like they're kind of like the Steelers. The Steelers weren't dominant, and it finally caught up to them. Like even though they were undefeated, they kept trying to lose to the. I mean, it's Cowboys. probably in their top three best opponents, but. And then the Ravens have done nothing but lose since they played the Patriots. They stink now. So, 
you know, retroactively, when you look back at it, and Kyler Murray's been toast the last couple of weeks. Like, suddenly he's... Right, but, but don't the Cardinals have the same record as the Rams? Um, aren't, aren't they 8-4, and four too? I'm not sure. No. Are they? I, I think that division's close. It's, it's either a one-game difference or they're tied. But, I mean, the point is that they've played a lot of teams kind of with the same record. Arizona's 6-6. Six and six. So the Rams at eight and four. Yeah, the Seattle. I mean, Seattle's eight and four. Right. I yeah. mean, that's a good. That's a solid football team. Now, yes. you will say that we've talked about the the West is playing the East, so that you know you had to play the NFC and AFC East. You got some opportunities there, depending on what you think of the competition. And although now suddenly the the NFC East is winning games and knocking off Seattle and knocking off the Steelers, so. I don't know. I just – the Rams are a good team, yeah. as I said. I mean, they have some good wins. They beat the Cardinals. They lost to the 49ers. They beat the, the Seahawks and Buccaneers in back-to-back weeks. They lost to the Dolphins. So, they have some good wins, and they, they benefited by getting four wins over the NFC East, so that helps. But they've, they've won some good games. It's not like you're, you're facing the, the Texans where they've only beat the Jaguars. So, like, they have actual wins and, and you know – they lost to the teams that they probably should lose to. So this isn't a, a, a cakewalk by any means. This isn't a flawed team. And no, yeah. no, no more flawed that I would say than anybody else. Like, I think that's one of my takeaways from last night. And like, just in general, you watch, you know, the Chiefs have had these games that are close and then the Steelers have been close and then they lose. And the Seattle, like they were dominant and then they're not dominant. And like, there's no – it doesn't feel like – you know, the Chiefs may win back-to-back, and that's impressive no matter what you do. But no one is playing at a level right now where it's like, wow, we can't compete with them. Like, nobody else can compete with them. Like, there's a lot of good teams that for stretches look really good, and then they stumble or their, their warts start to pop up. And then there's other teams like the Patriots. I would also include the Vikings in there who started horrifically. Now we're trying to make, like, this, this late-season run – and then you have the middling teams that I would put like Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Bucks in. Are are they good? Are they not good? Or when they look good, they look really good. When they look bad, they look really bad. It's a there's no obvious hierarchy in my opinion. Like yes, the Chiefs always get the a they they only have one loss, but also they're the defending champs, so they kind of get get the nod. Yeah. But is there anybody where you say, wow, that team is just unbeatable, or that team's just playing lights out football? It's like no. no. I don't trust that any of these teams any more than others. Like, so, and, and I would put the Rams in the, the upper end of that class. Like, you won eight games. You've earned your record. You have some good wins. I look at how you're playing, like your abilities. I'm, it's not like you're covering up, ooh, their pass defense stinks, and somehow they've covered it up. They're pretty good at running the ball, throwing the ball, stopping the run, stopping the pass. Like, they're a pretty well-rounded team that – for me, the big question mark is and kind of always will be, what does Jared Goff do? Is Jared Goff going to be good Jared Goff or bad Jared Goff? Because he's thrown, what, multiple picks in like three of the last four or three of the last five games. He's got six picks in the last month and a half, basically. Yeah, they've turned, they turned their ball over four times against the Dolphins, once against the Seahawks, twice against the Bucks, four times against the 49ers. So I think, the I think common denominator has- here is when they turn their ball over, they lose. Oh, yeah, and I think he has three two-pick games in that span and only 10 picks all year. So six of his picks came in those three games right there, a chunk of them. So, and by the way, that's something the Patriots do very well, right? Well, 
yes. And on the flip side, the Rams forced turnovers. They have 14 turnovers in their last six games. Oh, yeah. The Patriots, the Patriots haven't turned the ball over lately. So that's where kind of the, the, the chess match is, is who can force the other team to, to go against their trends. If I had to make a guess, I would feel very strongly predicting that both quarterbacks will throw interceptions in this game. That's, a good, that, that's a good bet. You shot your guy, Chris Scheim, see if there's a prop out there. Uh, yeah, I would feel very, very good about betting that there will be picks by both teams in this game. And then if you do, you know, when we're previewing games and matchups, sometimes you talk about, you know, could you see the Rams winning a blowout? Could you see the Patriots winning a blowout? Could you see this? Could you see that? I could see the Rams winning a blowout. I could not see the Patriots controlling this game and, like, winning with ease. I couldn't. I can't either. The spread six, which I think is a little interesting. Like, I think the, it should be lower. Like, I, th- I think it's a closer game than six points. Hmm. Interesting. You, you agree with the six-point spread? So, in a, you know, I, I like to analyze this. This is the year where they've decided home field is worth, like, two points now, two not points, three. Two points, not three, yeah. Okay. So, it's really like a four-and-change spread? Yeah. Uh, do I think the Rams are basically four points better than the Patriots? Sure. I like it. I'm just, I just think the way that the Patriots are playing, they're kind of getting disrespected. I, I know they're coming off their best one of the year. Respected. Respect is earned. It's not given. I, just the six point seems like a lot. Like, I think this is going to be a one possession game. I, re- I do. Mm. I'm not, not quite as confident. Maybe no. I'm a little more negative on this right now. See, I was very high the other day after the you game. Were. You were. But now but- I've moved on. It's a new week. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you've noticed. It feels to me that Bill Belichick is close to back. He's back to being the, the same cliches and the same, you know. So we're close to what happened last week doesn't matter. I think we're close to cutting ties with the Belichick that brags about his quarterback's passing yards from two weeks earlier. Yesterday on OMF, I thought he was very close to getting back to himself. The one slippage, the one slippage was the little line about, sure, there's a lot of organizations that would like to have our September record too. Yeah, I was confused at the time of that. Like, that wasn't relating to this year. That was just overall. Like, as I went – when I went back and transcribed it, I like, it sounded worse when he said it live to me. Like, th- that wasn't that bad. No, but other than that, I thought that was very Belichickian. I yeah, thought he I had the whole, you know, we, we, we try to be good every week. We want to be good in September. We want to be good before Thanksgiving. After all, Holidays don't matter to – Right. Uh, That's old school Belichick right there. Yeah, and I would say – even with the conference calls with the other lo- the local media, he's kind of been not as good in a way. It, it's the damnedest thing. When the team sucked, he wasn't himself and he was nicer. Now that the team has a chance and is good, he's turning into the a-hole again, which yeah. I have to respect. He, when he, I said it all along. I didn't like it, but I respected the consistency when he was a consistent a-hole over the years. I think we're back to the consistent a-hole in December. Uh, before I want to touch on it. I wrote a column today saying that this was one of Bill Belichick's greatest coaching jobs. Do you, do you agree or disagree? Uh, I definitely agree. Um, when I mean, you start with a very simple thing. In March, Tom Brady left. So right there, it became a challenging season with this narrative or cloud or whatever over the whole season and the year. Then you mix in COVID and the weird off season. And then you mix in the, 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 def, the, like, actual challenges of the season and losing and his yeah, quarterbacks doing five this year more than any year you have the players saying f this like covid all this crap like we're done 
And he got this team to focus and buy in. Like, after that Buffalo game, people were talking about trading Stephon Gilmore, trading Joe Tooney, thinking about next year. And he basically used that week as their turnaround point. And right. I give him all the credit in the world for getting the team to buy in because he was right. They were close, and now he's sort of, you know, making that true. I just want to make sure we're talking about coaching, correct? Well, that's there are some responses on Twitter that were saying that. Yes, I said coaching job. Like, yes, his job as a general manager is a, in a separate boat. I'm talking pure coach. Like, because, first of all, he probably won't win it. We actually talked about this on Dale and Keith today. We went through a whole rundown. It hasn't been won by a person with, like, less than 11 wins, maybe ever. Like, you, there's certain – you have to win a lot of games to be coach of the year. And because he's going to get to 10 at best, maybe only nine – um, if they make the playoffs, he's, he'll get the award. Oh, definitive. Yes. Because, because of what you started with. They, they lost Tom Brady in the offseason. Wow. I'm interested to see this. Um, I will say Dale Arnold said if he was voting right now, he'd be third in the AFC East in the voting behind Sean McDermott and Brian Flores. Well, that's, yeah, that's accurate just based off the records right now but like there's still four games left and what if bill wins all of his games and what if the bills and the dolphins suddenly lose three out of four or whatever well and you control some of it because you play both of them right now i would say the same thing but that's something to change i i mean obviously yes they have to basically win out for him to to win the award um because then they'll have one so they're four out of five now they'll have one eight out of nine to close the year is that eight out of, eight out of nine and yeah eight out of nine to close the year and six yeah. Straight. yeah yeah so um obviously that will be impressive and we know a lot of us fall victim to sort of the recency bias and get wrapped up in the current and how good it'll be but i said a simple question and i i believe this i don't know that i've looked at it who has done less with more i mean more with less this year then Bill Belichick, the coach. I'm sorry. If you told me there's an NFL team that has no tight ends, has no wide receivers, and has a quarterback who will throw single-digit touchdown passes and low single-digit touchdown passes, I would say, so are they picking first or second in the draft? Like, that's a, that's a shitty football team right there. And yes. they're a 500 football team who, it may be a long shot, but they still have a chance to get in the postseason – and then when you mix beyond, so that's like the, the, the on-field simple facts of the season, but then you add in Tom Brady left. Like, this is a big deal. Tom Brady left. You're, you know, rebuilding on the fly here. And then you add in COVID. And I do think he manipulated through their COVID crisis, like, really well. And he came away with players liking him better and trusting him more and respecting yeah. him Um. You did have the loss of the Broncos after the COVID, but like you're right. Like from a what? They didn't practice. What do you want me to tell you? They didn't practice. Well, if he's going to win coach of the year, he can kind of, you know, navigate those waters. But that showed his value. If he had practiced with his team, they would have won. When you don't let me practice, when you can't let me impose my will on the game, we lose. That showed his value. You're all right, though. He did kind of – I think he gained a lot of respect of the – obviously, he had respect to the players, but maybe the new guys that didn't really know him that well. He earned – like Adrian Phillips. I think that week went a long way yep. with a guy like him. And you can't measure the value of that in terms of did that lay some sort of foundation with the players for what's happening now? Like, mm-hmm. you can't quantify that. You can't definitively say that. But 
there's a possibility that had a positive long-term effect on the team staying together through struggles through two and five and, you know, going to practice and believing in, you know, to steal the phrase, the process that they were going through. Now, this could all fall apart on Thursday night against the Rams. They could lose by 30. You're like, well, there goes that idea. (laughs) Jared Sidham, you're starting against Miami. Right. So, I mean, we're talking about this in the prism of of right now, what they've done over the last month and a half. And, no, because another guy, as we were spitballing in this and talking this on the radio today, I said, another guy that I would put as a candidate, he's got no shot because he's going to win five or six games, is Ron Rivera for what he's had to go through with the Washington uh, football team. Jeez, yes. I'm, that's a bad word. Um, he, he Like, they just upset a team that was undefeated. Yep. He has battled through cancer treatments, hasn't missed anything. His first-round quarterback that he inherited blows. He's now say, his team. Like, his team stinks, too. Right, like, and he – and he has, like, so you can say Bill had the Brady thing. Ron Rivera took over a team that in the course of like a couple weeks had to change its name because it was racist and has a massive scandal about sexual harassment and all these, like you couldn't have a bigger cloud over a team. And he's kept that team kind of plugging along in the right direction. So it, it, it probably won't go to either guy. I'm not as confident as you are that it'll go to Belichick if they make the playoffs. No, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Even recency like, bias. Like, he'll, when the people vote, he'd he'll have won six straight games at that point. Maybe, but what else is going on? I mean, down the whole – like, what if Mike Tomlin's 15-1? and one? You saying he's not going to win it? Why? Well, no, I'm not. Like, if, if, okay, if they're 15-1, and one, yes, but I don't think they're going to be. I know. They might not be. I'm just – like, a lot of this will, will hinge on what happens in four weeks of football. But – Right. And I think Bill should. Like, if he, if he wins out and they make playoffs, I think he should. And the, the simple argument I made last night with Mutt, because Mutt was arguing against it, was so he doesn't get to win when he has Brady and all the talent because he went 10 years without winning it. Right. And he doesn't get to win when he has no talent. So when's his turn to win? Like, right. you can't have it both ways. Like, okay, he has all the talent, so we're, we're not going to give him coach of the year in the last decade because he had Brady and talent. Well, now he doesn't have Brady. He doesn't have talent. He has maybe the worst quarterback in football, one of the bottom five quarterbacks in football. He makes the playoffs, and you're still not going to give him the award? That's ridiculous. Uh, switching gears, I want to get to Jared Stidham. Played, uh, he played against the, the Chargers for the first time in several weeks and looked pretty good. That touchdown throw to uh, Gunner was a really nice throw, and Cam Newton talked about it with Greg Hill today, how – that sort of showed his development where the first play of the game, he took a huge hit from Joey Boza, bounced right back up, stood in the pocket, made that throw. And you talked about it Sunday night. Like, that kind of made you want to see more of Stidham. And I kind of wonder, like, does that – I'm not – he's not going to start Thursday night. But no. do you think that that performance maybe increases the likelihood that we might see Stidham this year maybe sooner than we think? Maybe. I mean, I don't want to, unfortunately it's all we see. So yes, for us, it's like, Ooh, that was good. I want to see more. And I agree with that. I I left that game wanting to see more. Like that was the first feel good. That was the first game where he threw a pass where he had a passer rating above 40. That that's like to put it in perspective. Wasn't that the first game he appeared in that he didn't throw an interception? No, he's got a couple of those, but this year it was. He's played, I believe that was the sixth game of his career, was his third this year. First time this year he didn't throw a pick. Maybe it's games he's thrown a pass. Maybe. But anyway, you feel good about it. Like, it looked good. Like, he had the nice throw 
um, in Kansas City, right, to Nikhil Harry in the, the Yep. So this was better than that because there was no negative to, to tag on. It wasn't like, yeah, but he did this. Yeah, but nope. This was a nice positive stretch. But we don't see the day-to-day in practice. I don't, maybe this was like an aberration. Like maybe in practice he does throw a pick every single day when he's running the scout team, whatever. So I would put that to the side. But you have to feel a little bit good about what he did and the way he threw the football. And I, if it were me, not knowing what's going on in practice – I would feel better about putting him in a game. Like if, what if Cam just sucks? What if this game, you know, it's you're down 28 to three. It's it's a fancy score in Patriots history. So we'll go 28 to three in the third quarter. And Cam's got two picks, you know, nothing's going. I'd say, yeah, let's see what Jarrett's got. What if it's 17 to three at halftime and you need to come from behind and coming from behind, it's probably throwing the football. Don't you think maybe Jared Stidham has a better chance of throwing the football than Cam Newton? Um, I also think Jared Stidham would have a better chance of getting killed by Aaron Donald and throwing straight to Jalen Ramsey. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't feel great about it. No. But do you get what I'm saying? Like, Cam Newton can't throw the ball. Like, Stidham play, had basically the same number of passing yards than Cam did in three less quarters. Yes, he did. Yes, yes, he did. He also so, threw it to a defense that probably wasn't really trying, as Joey Bosa noted. Well, and also, like, people are saying that the Stidham kind of like the, the Patriots shouldn't have gone play action with Stidham in the fourth. Yeah, that's quarter. stupid. Bleep that. I, I agree. Yeah. Screw agree. that. No. Um, but any through to Gunner, which probably not going to be throwing to in a regular situation. No. Like, so all that time on the practice field together, building their rapport won't have any value. I'm, I'm just trying to say that like Newton obviously hasn't been able to throw the ball. Stidham showed that he could in a very, very small sample. So maybe that gives you, you know, more of a, of a thought to actually doing, you know, I'm not saying to, to split reps or, or anything like that. Just being, you know, having a, a shorter leash on camp. Let's just say simply, it's better than what we've seen. Even going back to last year when he got that shot to come in for Brady and he threw the pick six. Like, mm-hmm. this is better. This makes, it has to make him feel better. It has to make the coaches feel better. But we have, we have, we're so limited. We did, this is the first time you could say, and you feel good about Stidham since last preseason, right? Yes. First time. Literally the first time in a year and a half that you could say you feel good about Jarrett Stidham. The problem is they've seen a lot on the practice field that maybe they're like, geez, about time he actually had a good day. He's had 72 straight bad days. Like, we just don't see that. We just don't know that. Yes. Um, playoff chances. I, don't, I know you, you, you hate the 538 stats. You, you made that clear on, on Twitter today. I don't even – maybe it's – okay, this is – maybe it's on me. Maybe I'm a moron. I just don't really understand any of it. Like, like, like how they come up with the formula? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, they, but they do this for everything. They do it for politics. They do it for everything. But at least politics, there's more defined trends with this is, a, this is a Democratic county. This is a Republican county. This, you know, we saw this years ago when these counties come in first, we know they're Republican, so it sways the state vote, yeah. but we know this one's going to are they taking into account injuries and like, well, I think this is just purely statistical. Like if this team wins their records, this, and this other team's record is going to fall to this. So they move up here. Like, I think it's has nothing to do with play on the field. It's just purely numbers based. Like, and does it take into account that the Patriots have won four of their last five? Right. No. Or does six and six is six and six to them and the opponents or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just feel like this is the classic, you know, the Derek Jeter, there's no clutch factor kind of thing 
Well, that's just not how it works. This is the Rays. The Rays taking their fucking starter out because God forbid he go. All right. So, so let's play this. What's the Andy Hart Patriots percentage to make the playoffs? No, that's a good one. Um, let's go 9%. Oh, so you have it lower than them. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, you know, I look at schedules. I look at – we talked about this. Matchups where, like, I think it's the Raiders and the, the Colts play, and it's like, well, one of them has to win the game, or God forbid they tie. That probably helps both of them stay ahead of you because neither of them gets a loss. And then, like, Baltimore, who's not even in the postseason themselves, but they're ahead of you, has a, an easy schedule, theoretically. We'll see how Lamar – if Lamar has the COVID fog like Cam did, I, all bets are off. Who knows? But I just – I, I, I don't know. I can't feel good about their chances of making. You know, I point to one game. It's the Denver game. You know. I'm going to point to that game forever. That's the reason you're not going to be in the postseason. That stinking Denver game where Bill didn't get to practice. The coach of the year didn't get to use his powers of preparation to get his team on the field. And that's going to be the reason. But no, I, it's funny because the guy kind of entertained me. The guy on NBC the other night, the, the political guy that – yeah. What's his name? Steve Kuznicki or something? I don't know. I can't pronounce. I'm not even going to try. Um, so he entertained me because I do like the other guy's King, right? Um, on CNN, who yeah, does the, John King? Yep. John King. Him, I love on freaking draft. I mean, on election night. He's, he's, he's just, you know that? Yeah, they both are. They're both really? um, I know Massachusetts that. guys. They're yeah. both from Massachusetts somewhere. One of them might be from like Greenfield or something. I don't know. But they're both from Massachusetts. And I'm entertained in it by politics. But what this has done, we've done this for years. Like this time of year, you start to look at schedules and who plays who and win-loss. Yeah, and, and usually like, it's, you know, if we're going to be the number one seed or get the first round by. And right. Last, and then can you get a in? few years ago, the, the NFL started putting out like the scenarios, like really in depth with like spreadsheets and like you could cross. I don't know. It just kind of, I'm like the percentages take it to a new level and they annoy me. And I also had a guy respond to my tweet today and just say, this is the first I've heard of it. If you hadn't promoted it, I wouldn't have heard it. And I was like, lucky you. I wish I lived in that land. Well, so they, they, this needs to be a thing at some point. Are you just mad that it's too early in the year? Like you need to have these scenarios like, like the last couple of weeks of the year and know exactly how things you know are going to play out. You know what I think it gets back to? I, I don't trust the quants. I don't trust the analytics. Like, these are the same analysts that pr- told me things at the beginning of the year that were wrong, right? The football power indexes and, yeah. you know, the Patriots were only going to win five games, according to ESPN's fancy numbers, right? right. Well, they've already won six and there's four to go. So you were wrong. So why do I listen to you now? Why do I listen to your stupid percentages now? You were wrong. I don't like your percentages. Speaking of preseason predictions, I think I'm going to be right or closer to being right than you were. About what? The Patriots record. Well, what did I pick? You had them as below 500, I think seven and nine. We'll see. And I had nine and seven. There's three playoff teams they have to play in the next four weeks. All losable, correct? Correct. They're also all winnable. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> all right, prediction time. Well, I think you already talked yourself into a loss. I feel like I kind of did too. I started out feel good from Sunday, and I think I've sort of been – transitioning through the week and then we talk about it and I'm like geez Aaron Donald and they can run the ball and they can pass the ball and they can pressure you and they can get at like yeah I don't feel good about it so I will be taking this is weird because usually I do my main pick first and this is this is this is hot off the presses yeah this is uh this is right off the uh tip of the old brain um I am going to say that the Rams win 30 
to 19. 30 to 19. Ooh. Ooh. Kind yeah. of a blowout-ish. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to um, win relatively comfortably. I think, I think this is going to be next week talking point will be bad Cam. Cam won't be able to get by with, I, you know, I just make plays to win games. Oh, you made plays and you didn't win any game. Patriots 20, Rams 17. Oh, you're such a – was that the Super Bowl score too? I don't know. Was oh, it? Suck up. What was an it? absolute homer. Are well, you just trying to get back in the good graces with all the Twitter people who hate you and rip you? No, I, I just I'm – I'm not big on golf at all. And even yeah. McVay, like I think he's a good coach, but I think he's not, he's not ready to, to compete with Belichick. And I, I also buy into the staying on the West Coast and these being like team bonding things. Like, I buy into that, and I think they're going to do enough to control the clock and win the game. Oh. Well, if they do that, then they get a good chance. To, and you're I mean, right. That, that was the final score in the Super Bowl. You're such a dork. What a bleeping Well, tool. to be fair, I didn't know that ahead of time. But I, <laughs> they're going to – I predict them to win a close, low-scoring game. Okay. You know, I mean, it, it may be – that will – most of the games recently I've been, like the last couple of weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if this happened, but I'm saying this would happen. It's going to surprise me if they win. They're going to surprise me if they beat the Rams. I think the Rams are a decent team on the road. They're like, they do a lot of things well. You can't just take away one guy, you know, the old Belichickian. I'm just going to take away yep. this guy or take away that guy. They got a lot of guys that can, can make plays. Yeah, I'm taking, the, I'm taking the Rams. Sorry. All right, so this is going to be a three-pod week because I guess we'll probably do one Friday morning, right? Yeah, and then maybe Fitzy can laugh at me and, ha, 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 you picked the Rams. Ha, 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 doing one of those videos on uh, Thursday night? No, I don't do videos on Twitter. That's not, okay. my, that's not my bag, baby. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll talk to you Friday morning. Okay, peace out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.